Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Isaiah. This is Ed. And we are recording here towards the end of March in the middle of a March Madness tourney that we're still in. But before we get to that, we it's a also... miracle. I, I can't believe <laughs> it's a miracle. it. Um, I think a tradition that we're going to establish, you know, on uh, on this program is that we're always going to acknowledge champions first, and especially champions who whoop Stanford's ass and whoop USC's ass consecutively to win 119, uh, and they're 12th in the program in the men's water polo. So congrats to them. Shout out. This is where we would uh, cue the the big bear sounds, the 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 sons of Westwood. Uh, Zed, maybe you want to work on that on the editing, but um, oh, I could probably edit something in, but I thought you were asking me to like sing it, and I don't think anybody wants to hear me do that. <laughs> yeah, we'll save that for the next one, but um, <laughs> I will spare your ears from that. <laughs> uh, I love that you actually know it though, that you're like, I have the lyrics, but um, yeah, we'll save it. But, uh, yeah, so men's water polo, they won 8-7 to USC, uh, which was ranked number three. Both programs were ranked ahead of us, beat Stanford in the semifinals, who were ranked number one. It's always just sweet being Stanford in Olympic sports. I understand we lo- we've been losing to them in the major sports uh, recently, but I just love whooping their ass in the Olympic sports. So it's because they have, like, 500 this. sports. Yeah, it's insane. And, I mean, and they're cutting them down now, which is like you know that's another conversation but poor management on their ad's part love seeing stanford have some cracks and they're so you know you little fake utopian world that they have <laughs> so yeah this was sweet uh, men's water polo first one under martin jarman uh and and it looked like he was pretty excited i didn't watch the match uh just because i do stuff during the day and I forget about it, but I saw the tweet immediately, and I was like, hell yeah, I'm off the bandwagon this, right on this, because we are rolling. Um, and it's our first championship, I think, since, what, 2019, um, given the yeah, pandemic? Yeah, I think it is. And, yeah, it's it's nice to, to see Jarman get his first um, under his, his tenure. Obviously, you know, I, I don't think he didn't have like a direct hand in this one or anything, but you know, it's, it's, it's good to, to keep that momentum going in terms of our athletic departments. And, you know, he, he should be rewarded for that. So I'm happy. And, and, and the nice thing about having an AD that's engaged now is that he was all over social media celebrating this thing. Like he, he just posted a video today with one of the players um, trying on ring sizes and things like that for the thing. He was posting photos of, them changing out the um, the uh, number of championships to 119 in Poly Pavilion, so he's he's really embracing kind of promoting this, and that's what the biggest change. I think it's fun to see that it's no longer just like um, you know the the water polo team posting about um, or posting about the win, but now it's like. The AD is promoting it all over the place. And that some of the other teams are now also kind of jumping in and engaging with that content and pushing it out as well. Um, so it seems to be more streamlined with him kind of leading the charge, and that's really cool to see. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Martin, his social game, I'm sure a lot of people have talked about it, but I think there should be a competition for AD's social game, and he deserves an award. <laughs> He's definitely top three in the country. 
I'm just watching this video of him, you know, getting the the sign ball that says first but not the last, which is awesome. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's just killing it. I I feel like it gets better and better every day, and I'm sure it's never gonna fall off. It just seems like it's something that's you know very much a part of him, and he's embraced uh, with yeah with how he does business. So it's great to no, see. No, absolutely. And it's something well, that UCLA needs as well. It definitely needs. And, and it's, it's, it's a modern approach to marketing that the school, frankly, and we've talked about this in the past under Guerrero, was just lacking. We never did that very well. And now Jarman is, is coming in and, and doing it much better. So it's, it's fun to see that. And we'll talk about his, um, his master class when we talk about the men's uh, basketball team. Hell yeah. I mean, we, uh, I guess we can get to that. Like, men's water polo, 119, awesome. Keep it going. Women's, they, they play their tournament at the end of April, uh, so we'll see how they're doing. Uh, and they are number three in the country right now, but they're rolling. They just beat a highly ranked cow. So go water polo. Hold it down. Go water polo. I'm, I'm hoping they bring on, uh, home another one to kind of start bridging that gap again. Yeah, let's uh, get with, that number one spot. With the trees. Yeah, let's get that back. Let's get that back. But moving on to the more apparent, the headline, um, I guess, you know, uh, I, I, I want to say on the record that last show I predicted that we will beat Michigan State and BYU. I also thought we would beat Texas, and then I took, I went back on my word, and I should have never had because we never even played Texas, so... Technically, I wasn't wrong. Um, That's true. Played a school from Texas, which we dominated. Uh, so, yeah, we're in a Sweet 16, which is already, I think, meets the expectations that we had coming into the season. Um, and it also exceeds the expectations that we had adjusted during the season um, with the losses that we have had. So, uh, yeah, it's a very exciting time. But what did you think about these past three games? Oh my God, I I didn't see it coming. Honestly, you know, I'm I'm the eternal pessimist, and you're the eternal optimist. Um, and while you were saying, "Yeah, no, I think we're gonna win. I think we're gonna win," I was like, "There's no way. I've seen this story before." Um, but just the way that the the team has come together and the way they're playing now is really kind of, in a way, feels like a came out of left field after the the final end to the Pac-12 season and how we kind of ended that on a four-game losing streak. Um, and to think, you know, like a month ago, we were discussing will we even make it into the tournament and kind of being back on that bubble and then sort of sneaking in in that first four game and then just going on this run has just been, for me, very surprising um, I just have, you know, battered Bruin syndrome, I guess. But it was very surprising. And and I, it's a surprise in the best way possible. Like, I am ecstatic that this happened. And for me, this is definitely just overachieving and beating expectations. I was basically only hoping to win the first four game and then just have a competitive showing in the first round game. And I would have been fairly happy with that. Um, just based on how the season has gone, how this roster looks, how this team was playing. Um, but 
Cronin has taken a, a pretty flawed roster um, and has gotten them playing as a unit and as a very, very efficient defensive and offensive unit. And it's been incredible to watch, really. Like, this, the, the tournament has really forged this, all of these players into a very cohesive team all of a sudden. Um, and this is obviously the best time for that to happen. Just the amount of toughness that they've shown over the last three games um, has been great. And we're going to need that now going into Sunday against probably their toughest task now. Yeah, I mean, like Alabama just destroyed Maryland. And this team looks good. I'm just hoping that it's going to take a miracle of no turnovers, getting back on transition. Like, I mean, you just scout it. And I think uh, who who was speaking on it? I think it was Coach Howland, actually. I read comments that he made, and I agreed with them because uh, obviously he's been keeping up with UCLA. And he was right, and he touched on those two points, limiting turnovers and getting back in transition, even unmade buckets. And I think he's completely right, and that's the kind of frame of mind. I, I, I really love just the toughness that this team has shown from all angles. It feels like they actually want it, and rather than cruising or being too cool during the season, which I also... And I also think they just went through mental lulls because it's just been a tough season. I've said that before in past episodes, but... It really has, and this just seems like a very hungry team. I watched the Jalen Clark uh, YouTube's, you know, episode when they first got there, and I think they just had beat Michigan State, and he was like, yeah, there's not much to do here, but it's also good because we just focus on basketball. I'm like, good, you know, like they're out there in the bubble, and you have to take that into account when you're expecting, you know, different turnouts of these games, like, some people are there and they can handle a bubble and some can't. Some players can't. So it's, it's, it's an unusual time. And for that reason, I think we're going to give Alabama a fight. But they have so many shooters. They have so many size, so much size. I mean, and they have Herbert Jones, who's, like, I, I mean, one of the best players in the SEC. I'm for, like, it's going to be a tough matchup. Um, am I predicting a W? Give me some time. But, um... And what I, by that I mean like I need to 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 sit on this on Saturday and <laughs> I I just think we're gonna need a perfect game. I would say that we're most likely gonna lose this one, but I also have some time, you know, injection of optimism that just comes in in the last hour. So, yeah. Um, so, I think Bama. Obviously, this is the best team we've probably we're going to play in this tournament so far. Um, and they are very, very good. But we've also seen them lose some very weird games in the, over the past season. Now, obviously, they're probably a, a more gelled-together team now than they were when they lost to the likes of Stanford and Mizzou and um, Western Kentucky, I believe, they lost to as well. So they've had some, some, some weird losses throughout the season. But... I think they are playing at a much higher level than they were then. But I think that goes to show you that they are not some sort of absolute juggernaut that maybe Gonzaga is, that they do have some weaknesses and they do have off nights. Um, And I do think that the game plan that we've kind of 
deployed against BYU is something that we need to look at doing again is BYU it was another team that shot a lot of threes and hit them at a very, very high percentage. And Alabama has been doing a similar thing where they've been taking 33s a game and hitting about 35% of them per game. Um, and what we did against BYU is we limited to them only taking 17 and shooting like 14% or 17% made. Um, so we successfully have now all of a sudden become a good three-point defense. Defense. The difference between Alabama and BYU, obviously, is Alabama has incredible athletes on their team, and they can also play incredible defense. Um, and so, you know, we just have to be able to stop their threes as best as we can and rebound the ball. And we have to just, what we've been doing the past several games is just play slow, slow tempo and grind them down while they're playing defense defense against us and try to, you know, take up 20 to 25 seconds of the clock before we take a shot. Um, and I think if we successfully do that, and I think we can, we have a very good shot of winning this game. Um, it really, it, it comes down to just execution at that point. And obviously that's a tough task to do for 40 minutes. Uh, but it is doable and... I have faith in Coach Cronin uh, to come up with a game plan that does that effectively. And we'll see. I mean, you know, I I think it's stupid to count us out at this point, right? Like, we've been counting us out for the rest of the the games. The whole country sort of counted us out for many of these games. And we've sort of given... They continue to do that. I mean, the reseeding's a joke. Right. The media reseedings have been terrible, and we've been continuously just kind of giving the media and the rest of the country kind of a big middle finger. Um, and I think McCronin feeds off that underdog energy the most, and that's when he's most dangerous. And he's been saying that all kind of, if you've been watching his interviews and listening to him over the past week, there is that fire of him just kind of being a little annoyed about the Pac-12 as a whole being being disrespected, the West Coast being disrespected. Um, and I think he's using that as, as motivation to, to feed the fuel uh, of this team and really get them going. And they've responded in an, in an incredible way. Yeah, I also, another reason why I'm holding off is because I need to see if Giese is, uh, or GC, I don't know how to pronounce his name, is yes. attending the game. So if he's if he's gonna be there in the stands, oh man, it's over. It's blowout. Uh, <laughs> so that is that's everything's pending on that, and 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 we will see. But we need you there. I know Jarman already asked if he's gonna if he's free on Sunday, but he will be free. We will get him there as soon as I see that picture. We are good. Um, so brother, again, brother Geesey, we need you there. That is another prime example of Martin Jarman working that social media and getting both fans hyped, getting good media attention, um, and then just being a good dude, like just getting this guy who's a big UCLA fan in Indiana out to all the games and getting our fans into the building is a huge deal. And even getting one or two people in there in a small 
capacity arena is going to make a difference. And so I've noticed over the past couple of games, you can hear, you know, the UCLA chants in the back, especially towards the end of games. And it's, you know, that's got to be encouraging for our guys to come into an arena uh, with fans in it after playing with no fans for most of the season. So just even hearing a small amount of, of cheering for the team has got to be a good, a nice boost for them. So, yeah. That's Brother a, Giese. I, I, oh, yeah, you. we got to – he's our lucky charm, man. We need you. Um, yeah, I, I think he – him and Brad and Chad uh, are, are – <laughs> Our holy trinity of um, good luck charm, so I'm excited. The the bench boys? The bench boys. Sigma Chi. What, what's their real names? It's Logan and, and I forgot the other one's name. Um, I don't know. It's One of them is the Cremonese's last name, and I forget the other kid's name. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. hey, they got to see the floor last game, so... I the was last two games, them. actually. Last they, two games, yeah. Yeah. They were killing it out there. Yeah, they it's that's got to be an awesome experience. So, yeah, um, the part that sucks is that we have to wait so many days. It's Thursday, and it's already felt like an eternity since this, since we get to watch this game on Sunday. So, I know Jarman already he went back to. I love how Jarman's like the theme of our podcast at, at this point, but uh, he went back to UCLA and he's been posting so just the fact that he he's he's going to be back in Indiana but he's jumping back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, he's going back and forth so. Yeah. He's probably putting together a scholarship offer for 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 Gacy, for brother Gacy. <laughs> That's my guess. He's going to walk onto the team. He's going to be the third bench boy. Yeah. We'll trade you. Well, I mean, we'll trade you. We'll transfer you. You can leave Indiana. You've done your time. Come back home. Brother Geese, get him in there. Love Brother Geese, but um, the girls, yeah, they didn't have uh, Sister Jean, Brother Geese, and it showed last night. It's very sad, sad ending to their season, which was uh, promising again with a few com- very mysterious losses. But they came across a Texas team that just, oh my gosh, they took the lead, jumped ahead. Celeste Taylor who I think she averaged, her career high was 24 points, and she matched that last night, but she had a hell of a game. And their star, who's going to be the number one pick in the WNBA draft, um, barely did anything, and they still ran away with it. They just had a big enough cushion that was hard for the girls to overcome. Um, it was just a tough game to watch. Yeah, that was, that was an unfortunate loss. Um, we were all hoping for that Sweet 16 streak to keep going, but it I really felt like... Um, it was the the season that wore on them so heavily with, you know, at some points they only had like six actual players finally sort of caught up to them. And that was due to injury, due to opt-outs, due to ICE not allowing uh, recruits into the country. Um, And it it really kind of caught up to them. And, you know, there's a lot of talk around is Coach Close going to – is is she kind of limiting the team? Is she the right person for the job? And I, I think it is unfair to judge her and this team based on this game and this season as a whole uh, with what they went through. I, I think that the fact that they were playing this well, got into the tournament as a three seed, 
um, and, you know, had a chance to get into this week. It's 16 with such a limited roster and uh, is a testament to, you know, the both the coach but also these players. Um, and I think the, the saddest part is we're probably not going to see on Yenwere on on the court for UCLA again. We're probably... That game last night was probably the last time we'll see her play for us. And so, you know, that potential that could have been um, that was there for us to go make a deep run is, is unfortunately gone. And that talent is, is gone. So obviously we wish her the best of luck in the WNBA where she's going to most likely be a top 10 draft pick there. Um, but I think overall, like it's a successful season in many ways. And I think we should be proud of, of how they, they got through it. Yeah, I agree with that. I actually had that same feeling. I was happy as well. I mean, they put up 48 points in the second half, so it's not like they didn't have fight. It it was just a tough hill to climb. You know, they just dug themselves in such a ditch with that poor shooting in the first half. We're talking about a team that averages seven threes per game, and they didn't hit the first one until, what, like five minutes left? I don't, I believe. Yeah. Something it, like that. Yeah, it's just it's it was very sad to see, and momentum was pushing, and you can tell Texas was getting nervous, but they just hit that one backbreaker three. I think it went they went up like sixty to forty eight, and I was like, ah, oh, that's it. Like, I, I, and then and then Lauren Miller, you know, just that was one of the saddest things of last night. Yeah, was seeing I hope her she's, go down. she's okay. Yeah, and yeah, outside of that, they just you're right. It, it, depth was always an issue going into this season and I think the biggest thing for next year is I think for both teams as shooting coaches like I don't know if they bring in somebody outside or you know whoever <laughs> like we just need better shooters um UCLA I mean the men's are streaky and the women's usually shoot better but we just can't miss as many free throws we do for both teams it's such it's such a plague in college that happens with many teams, but it really separates the ones who win versus the ones who are very talented, but they just can't get past that next level. Um, so, cause I think this game would have went really different if that was the case. Um, and I could see, you could see that our team, once we got on a roll, we're rolling, but we just went against a, a Texas team that was playing. Not, I don't think we were playing in Texas's arena, for this one, but they were essentially home in some respects. In right, they're in Austin. Event. Yeah, and were they playing in the women's arena? I don't um, know. Actually, I'm not sure, but they were in the Austin area. So, yeah. I mean, either way, it's it's basically there. there is a, a level of home field, home court advantage there um, where you they really don't have to travel anywhere. Exactly. And, um, yeah, with that, that, I think that's always something you have to consider, um, especially in, in amateur sports. Travel does affect these players more so than the pros, and it already affects them regardless. So we went against a team that basically was playing at home um, if less than a mile, and, uh, yeah, we went against a buzzsaw, and they deserved the win. Um, we also just seemed to, to break down and with a t- very tough group of girls slash women. Um, and they did, you know, did their best part. I, I'm a believer in close. I like what she's building. Um, 
I, I do think there's just small things, there's tweaks that she has to make. And I think it's in the same that, you know, the best coaches in any sports, they hire the right assistants and they see what they're, you know, what gets them to the next level. And we've seen it happen. I think Close can do the same. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And then, you know, looking forward to next year, you know, we there's some obviously big names leaving um, most likely this, this off season, and we don't actually have any current commits for the 22 season. So I think this is an opportunity where it's going to be a combination of obviously players that should be returning from injury and opt outs, um, coming in and then, uh, coach close hitting the transfer market very hard to fill some of those holes. I think we're going to see very similarly to the rest of kind of the college athletics landscape across the country, the transfer market is going to be buzzing this off season. Um, and so she's going to need to go hit that market hard and figure out how she can utilize that to fill some of the, the departures and holes in the team that we'll have next year. Um, so, you know, there's a solid foundation there. We just need to plug and play a couple of, of players, I think, and we should be uh, keep keep being competitive on that front. Agreed. Um, but yeah, wrapping up those sports, moving on to to football. Uh, we speaking of you touched on recruiting with women's, but it seems that we got another four star. What the hell? At a position of an, a need. Well, I mean, we've already. It feels we, like the twilight zone. This is so weird. After two years of not getting a, a tight end, we have landed two. I guess this is uh, making up for lost time and lost classes. Um, but yeah, we we got Carson Ryan, who's out of Utah. It was between us and BYU. He's he's a composite four star on twenty four seven, which tells you that you know he's pretty highly regarded in the country. He's number twelve and at tight end. Um, and he joins Jack Peterson, who's number seven and who's down in Florida at the time, but from Southern California. So we are done recruiting tight ends. Look at us locking up our positions um, already before spring ball. Didn't see that coming. It feels like, I I hope that I'm wrong about this, but do you remember that class? I think it might have been like the first second class under Kelly where he refused to uh, recruit any linebackers and we got like no linebackers that year and then the next year he went out and got like 12. Are you saying we're not going to have any O-lines? We're just going to have 10, no, 10 tight ends? <laughs> I feel like he's going to go out and recruit like 12 tight ends for this class and then call Amazing. it a day and never have to <laughs> and then have half of them transfer out the next year. Um, so Chip just no, needs 11 years to get all the players he needs. Basically. Yeah. Um, no, I'm kidding. I, I, it's, it's obviously, it is a refreshing thing, and, and we've seen this trend sort of shift this way, and it's been welcome that he's actually going after not developmental guys, but sort of impact players that can come in and start playing sooner rather than later. Um, you know, four and five star guys, and we're filling positions of need now. So overall, I'm very happy with that. And yeah, we'll see what happens. We just need it. We need talent. So sounds like we're finally trying to get it. Yeah, and and if you add this on to the transfer class, um, where we added Brandon Kyle, I don't even know if we mentioned that, but um, 
we really are starting to build some really good depth. I'm I'm liking this. I'm loving this actually. So we're setting ourselves well. Yeah, I mean, imagine if we could win a few games and how that what that would do for our recruiting. It's it's already on the up and up. I think we are currently ranked 35 in the country, which Correct. is already starting off much higher than we generally have under Chip Kelly for a recruiting class. So it's it's all trending in the right direction, even without the actual on-field results. So we get some some wins next season, and we'll see what happens with recruiting. We might we might be able to be very competitive. But again, I for me personally, I'm going to just rein that in before we get too far ahead because I don't necessarily um, I'm not the biggest believer in this so far. But there are some positive signs, and you know I hope I hope we turn it around next season. Yeah, I I still I mean I know I said seven and five, but the more of this happens, I know it has nothing to do with the 2021 season, but oh, it, no. it's got me. I'm feeling optimistic very oh, early no. on. Oh, no. It's happening. Slowly. Bad. Just I, I think I have a 7.5 wins right now, so it's trending up. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Is that 0.5 a, a draw or a tie? That's like... The new overtime rule, whatever it's going to be that they're going to have, because there's going to be a new overtime rule. God, I hope they don't mimic the NFL rule. I hate that rule. There won't be ties. There's like a weird thing where they're just going to try it in the game. No more LSU, Texas A&M, legendary 7 OTs. Mm, I prefer uh, that. Yeah, that was lit. Um but yeah, I, I'm at seven point five now. I'll I'll have to. But before the season begins, my prediction is gonna have to fall on a, a solid number. But for now, it's just creeping. Oh, you're the worst. It's happening. Oh God. Um. Yeah, and then there's there's a bunch of other sports going on right now. I know we've all been distracted with March Madness and uh, whatnot, but we already mentioned. The water polo team winning. Um, what else we got going on? Baseball uh, started Pac-12 play last uh, weekend against Arizona, and we won the series. Uh, we walked off against them on Friday. We lost the second game Saturday, unfortunately, and then sort of clobbered them on Sunday. And then we played LMU this Tuesday, and we had a very high-scoring 13-6 to victory over them. So we're sort of rounding out into form a little bit. Uh, I think we're ranked 10 now in the country, so hopefully we can keep, keep this momentum up and, and keep winning games. Uh, again, baseball's a very long season with a lot of games, so uh, no, one, no one is going undefeated ever in this sport. So it's... it's um, it's uh, looking to be more promising on that front. Yeah, and then softball's killing it. Uh, Player of the Week awards are going out. I think Maya Brady got the last one for for the Pac-12 this past week. Um, but yeah, they're rolling. They're number two at the moment. And obviously, they're going to probably grab that number one spot um, eventually. But it'll be... Probably a rotation of, you know, one to three. I imagine this team will go back and forth. I have a question for you because I haven't even checked. Uh, is Rachel Garcia back? 
Yes, she is. Okay, cool. She is. Um, she came back a couple weeks ago now, I believe. But yes, she is back, which is obviously great. And we're very happy to have her back. Yeah, so girls are rolling. Um, and then other sports, what else do we have? Soccer. Um, we'll skip over men's soccer because it is pretty glum. Uh, not not looking great, but Jorge was sentenced. Is... If you want to talk about ghost, Ugh. eight months. Oh God. Uh, yes, yeah, Salcedo got sentenced. Um, who should have been fired probably like eight years ago. Um, just not even for that uh, whole situation, but just for being a shitty coach. Should have been fired, but. Again, that was a Guerrero incompetence uh, keep. But, yeah, the women's team has been rolling. They're number three, and I think they're still undefeated. They have a couple of draws in there. Um, They unfortunately just had a draw against uh, Southern Cal last week. But that happens in soccer. So undefeated, they have not lost a game in a while now. Um, and they've they've looked good, so we're we're hoping for another deep run uh, this year and possibly another title for that program. Um, what else have we got going on? We got the women's volleyball tennis. team, women's Wom- tennis. Yep, volleyball's rolling. Women's tennis, I don't know much about. I'll let Zed women's handle. tennis is at number four, and they've been playing really well. Um, they crushed Utah the other day, I believe. Um, men's tennis is also ranked number 22 right now. So both tennis teams are, are playing well. And then uh, gymnastics is number 13, and they're in the regionals. Yes. We are matched up against, um, I think we're, I forget. I just had this up five minutes ago, but... We are ranked 13. Our, the regional starts, I believe, um, in a week or two. I'm trying to find it now. Uh, okay, we're going to Morgantown, West Virginia. And it starts on April 2nd. So we'll be going against in that regional we have Michigan, Kent State, Penn State and then West Virginia. So that'll be hopefully, you know, we're not expected to go super deep this year, but you know, you never know. We can make a little bit of a splash. Um but on the gymnastics front also, I think Mark Greta I can never say her name. Mark Zeta. Um, oh yeah, Mark Zeta. Yeah, she is an All-American, first-team All-American on the uneven bars for three years in a row. So um, congrats to her. That's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, she's killing it. Yeah, and then what do we, we got volleyball going. Um, men's has been not great. Women's has been okay. Women's uh, beach volleyball has been really good. I think they're ranked three or four right now. Uh, so that's another opportunity that we have to hopefully bring another championship home. Uh, we always, all, always looking for for ways to erode that that lead that the trees have again and and retake that mantle back. 
Um, but yeah, men's, I think men's volleyball is at six. The beach volleyball team is at four. And then women's, women's volleyball is at 17. So all ranked and all hopefully in positions to win. And yeah, that's, that's sort of on my end. I don't, everything on my end, I don't know if I missed anything. Uh, you got anything else? I think men's volleyball is ranked six. I don't know. I think they're doing good. Are they ranked six? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Women's fell did off. Did I say ninth? I made that up. It's all right. Don't trust me. It. Yeah, don't trust them on predictions either. Trust me. I'm the Nostradamus at this point. Hey, if you keep getting on right, I will happily let you take that mantle up. I just need Brother Geesey there. <laughs> so it's really not you. It's just him. Well, you know, he's uh he's like the insider. He's an insider tip. So once he's inside the arena, you know, then we know. <laughs> I know about Oh off. man. All right, enough dad jokes. We're going to let you all go. Um thanks for listening. Follow us at Bruin Source on Twitter. Um one day Oh. We... What? Before I forget, Sunday there's a rumor that CBS is trying to get Bill Walton on for some capacity during the game. Did David so, Woods make that happen all with one tweet? Uh, I hope so, and I am hoping that that uh, it happens. Because let's be honest, Bill Walton is the true oracle of this this tournament. That would be amazing. I think if we can have him do, I, I don't know. I don't really like him doing USC games. He kind of just gloats and talks about them, but. I was going to say having him for <laughs> USC and Oregon would be cool. And then on Sunday, he did UCLA-Bama. That would be awesome. Just, just give me more Bill Walton, and uh, I'll be happy. Do a, like a simulcast of Bill Walton. It might be that. That's what I've been saying. It's, it would be incredible just to have a live stream of Bill Walton during every game. Yeah. I don't know. I would of... pay extra money to watch that. If he has like a young relative, he like somewhere who just knows technology. Not to know, I wouldn't be surprised. Bill might know himself because he reads. He has like twelve thing. kids. Like, get one of the sons in there to do it. Yeah, except for Luke. Just keep Luke away because whatever. <laughs> we won't go into Luke. Anyways, um, thanks for listening, and uh, tune in for the next episode and follow us on Bruins Source. All right, catch you later. Go Bruins. Go Bruins.